They said, Byron, if you just drink one drink, we won't bother you. And unfortunately, I yielded to the peer pressure and I drank one drink. Then they weren't happy with that. They were telling me, if you just drink one drink, we won't bother you. But they were lying to me. Welcome, my friends, to The Storyteller, where you'll find First Nations people from across Native North America who are following Jesus Christ without reservation. Today we'll hear more from Byron Saraceno from the Laguna Pueblo in West Central New Mexico as he shares what happened after he decided to follow Jesus. After that military exercise in that demilitarized zone, the DMZ, between North and South Korea, we headed back to Okinawa, Japan. I was excited to get back to that island and call home. I wanted to call my mom and dad and tell them what I had experienced and what was going on in my life, and I wasn't sure what they would say to me. And so when I called home, my mom picked up the phone, and she really didn't know what to think of my decision. As I told her, Mom, I became a Christian. Mom, I got saved. I really want to follow Jesus. She said, son, if that's what you want to do, who am I to stop you? Then she said, well, you better talk to your dad. And so she gave the phone to my dad. And my dad, let me just say it like this. He responded by saying some unkind things. And, um, but that was my initiation, I would say, into trying to tell my family and my relatives about the Lord Jesus Christ and about him being my Savior. I discovered that being a Christian, according to the Bible, is not the same as believing in our Indian religion. For example, when I made much of the name of Jesus, my relatives didn't like it. I said, if we all believe the same thing, what's wrong with me mentioning the name of Jesus. Some of my cousins later on would say that's white man's religion. I found out right away not everybody was happy for me. It became clear to me that I've been part of a religion trying to earn the favor of God through all my prayers, religious dances, and other things that were connected. I thought I was a good Indian as long as I didn't end up in jail. I used to think being a good person, being a good Indian was the way to heaven, but I was wrong. The Bible declares all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. From Okinawa, I had received some tremendous advice from the brothers in Christ that were there. Chaplain Rick Gates was still stationed there, and I told him, I said, what advice would you give to me when I go back to the States? And this is what he said. Byron, when you go back to America, find yourself a Bible-believing, teaching church. Never heard that before. So when I left Okinawa, Japan, that was my mission. The end of my enlistment came up, and I was trying to figure out what to do. As a young Christian, I was praying, you know, the Bible teaches us that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God knows where you're at. God knows what's ahead. And God can lead and guide you and I. 
So as I walked into this recruiter's office or this enlistment office in the military, I met two men, and I think both of them had some important things to say. The first guy said, Byron, you are up for land duty. He said, there's some great places to go. You like to party? He said, there's a place open for you in Fallon, Nevada. There's a great place in uh, Virginia. And uh, he was mentioning the idea of all the nightlife. There was another guy in that office that said, don't listen to that guy. He said, he asked me, he said, are you a Christian? Do you pray? Do you go to church? He said, I got a spot that's available. There's a billet that's like a job in the military in Pensacola, Florida with search and rescue, SAR, S-A-R. And they'll train you. You can earn your wings. And we got a corpsman billet open there. And so that day I left that office thinking about what I need to do. That night it was made clear to me if I, if I could find a Bible believing church, perhaps the area of Pensacola would be the place. Because one of the things that stood out, as that man said, that I got a billet, do you go to church? He said, that's the Bible Belt. And so God, I believe, used him even to direct me to continue to re-up for three more years, and that's what I did. I re-up for three more years of my enlistment to transfer to Pensacola, Florida. I remember when uh, I had transferred from Camp Pendleton to Pensacola, I wanted to reestablish some communication with some of my relatives and family, particularly with my own brothers. And uh, I was given a 30-day leave by the military. In the military, you can only take leave prior to Christmas. You couldn't take Christmas and New Year's at the same time. And so I chose this particular time to go home at New Year's. And growing up, part of my lifestyle was partying. I'm talking about partying with the rock and roll band, partying with friends where there was kegs, giant containers of liquor. So my family was celebrating, thinking of my cousins, my first cousins and my brothers for New Year's. And they were all around the table. It's about nine o'clock in the evening. And I went to my parents' house that evening and they were saying, come on, Byron, you're going to party. I was a young Christian at this time, and so this was this is a new thing for me to be challenged about drinking. And they kept putting pressure on me over and over again. They said, Byron, if you just drink one drink, we won't bother you. And unfortunately, I yielded to the peer pressure, and I drank one drink. Then they weren't happy with that. They were telling me, if you just drink one drink, we won't bother you. But they were lying to me. And one drink led to another, and it ended up in a cousin's house in the village of Pawati. I had drunk so much that I fell asleep and woke up the next morning. And I thought, what did I do? I was so embarrassed. I, I wanted, at that time, I had the mindset to want to tell my family about Jesus. But I had gotten drunk. And so I got up, and from that experience, I went back to Pensacola. And for two years, I didn't go back home. I was so embarrassed, but I was—I determined never to drink again. And that's been 39 years ago. I learned that a Christian can still mess up, but we shouldn't let that stop us. 
We should draw near to God. God has promised He will draw near to us. We have the Bible to help us, and, and the Bible teaches us if we hide God's Word in our heart, it will help us not to sin against God. I don't believe in this idea that you can live a Christian life and never do wrong because we're still human, but we can, sin should be the exception and not the rule. And by sin, I mean disobedience to God's word. When Christ taught me through other men's testimony, I heard things like, you can be victorious over sin sinful habits. And so I had a lot to learn as a young Christian and still got a lot to learn today. But God is gracious. He will forgive you no matter what sin you've committed. Someone said you may get out of the will of God, but you never get out of God's care. He's a loving, gracious God. It wasn't very long when I was in Pensacola. I ran into a man named James and and James uh, reached out to me and invited me to his church. It was a church on the west side of Pensacola, and that will become my home away from home, you might say. There was loving people there that encouraged me to read my Bible, to pray, to fellowship, and and to serve the Lord. And while I was there, I got a burden for my own servicemen on the base there station in Pensacola. I began to invite certain men and women. One day the pastor came up to me and said, Byron, I see that your Volkswagen van is filled with guys. And he said, we got an extra church van in the back here. If you want to use it, you're welcome to use it. So I took that from God. I said, really? Wow, that'd be great. So week after week for that period of time in Pensacola, I began by the grace of God, to invite men and women to our local church there. And just to see how God used that, I met other Christians that were were stationed on the Pensacola base, and, and they encouraged me. We kind of served together, reaching men with the gospel. In that period of time, uh, God spoke to me, convicted me, and I believe that he was calling me into the ministry. I got out in the fall of 1986. I remember calling home and telling my dad that I'm going to get out of the military. And again, he was not very encouraged by what I had to say. And uh, I ended up going to a school in Jacksonville, Florida called Trinity, where I would go to Bible college. And it was there that I was further trained to grow in my Christian faith. And while I was there, I met my beautiful wife, Tricia, and she was there as a teacher, and we married in 1991. I thank God for his grace, his mercy, and saving me, leading me to a godly woman. It was not just any other woman that I wanted to marry. It was someone that I believed that would have a heart for God. And I believe that God led me to the right person. And during that course of time in the military, I thought that I would come back, especially when I went off to Bible college. My pastor actually offered me an opportunity to serve on staff. But the Lord began to speak to me about coming back to New Mexico. 
At first, I really didn't want to come back because I understand that the Pueblos, the Pueblo of Laguna, Pueblo of Acoma, and the Pueblos in general probably would not want to hear what I had to say. And so I fought that. I wrestled with that. But eventually, I yielded to what God was directing me to do. And we came out in the Southwest, came in 1993 to begin a ministry. 1981, the Lord Jesus saved my soul. By God's grace, today I'm pastoring the Mount Taylor Baptist Church of Grants, New Mexico. I am ministering along with others that are attending our services to the people of Laguna and Acoma Pueblo, the Navajos, the Apaches, the Banish, and whosoever will, because everyone is invited. If you've trusted in Jesus, you know that it's not always easy to follow Him. Like we've heard today, sometimes we face rejection from those we love. Sometimes we struggle with temptation and failure. There are times when we're not sure what to do. I want to encourage you, my friend, no matter what you may be facing, keep following Jesus. He will lead you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He will see you through. God knows the plans He has for you. You can trust Him. Just trust Him. And if you don't yet know Jesus, but would like to, let me encourage you to visit our website, withoutreservation.com, and click on the tab, New Life. Or download the Storyteller radio app and choose Hope. You can also write to us at The Storyteller, P.O. Box 1001, Bemidji, Minnesota, 56619. Our phone number is 877-766-4648. Thanks for listening. And remember, the greatest story took place at the cross. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's more to Byron's story, so be sure to join us again next time as we listen to The Storyteller.